Welcome to another big, big episode of the Card Authority. As we all know, it's Tiger time. It has been a huge, huge week. I think it's always a good time to bring in my co-host, the one and only, AJ. G'day, g'day. G'day, mates. It's it's been a big week. It's been a big week. How are you, my friend? I'm good, but look at you all decked out in your Tiger's gear. It's not just the background hanging off the roof and off the ceiling. It's your whole uh, your whole getup. Is that a, like a Hawaiian shirt with uh, Tiger's print all over it, mate? What's going on there? Uh, there is actually an Hawaiian shirt version of this, but no, this is more I'd call the bowling shirt version. Um, insane that the AFL shop was selling these for just $7, 90% off a week before the grand final. Makes no makes 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 no sense. It it feels like it's an at least an eleven dollar shirt. Um, so look, you know, it's uh, it's Tiger time. You know, you've got to embrace these. You know, when you're part of a dynasty, and obviously, you know, being the number one ticket holder, you know, you've got to you got to make sure you get around the boys. And look, I'm not going to say it was all me, but you know, I'm an intricate part to this. You know what I mean? I'm, I messaged Koch the night before, you know, and wished him good luck and. Look, I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little bit flat that he didn't, you know, give me a bit of a shout-out up on the podium, but it's fine. I, I, I don't need it's those bits of public. Yeah, I don't need those bits of public affirmation. Uh, very nice, very nice. Um, what a huge, uh, a huge, huge thing, obviously, for the Tigers. Massive for Dustin Martin. Not big, not big news for St Kilda, was it? Uh, but, uh, yeah, obviously, a, hu- a huge win for the Tigers, and... So many records broken and records set, I suppose, with that, um, with respect to, to football and AFL history. And obviously, that's going to translate in some way, shape, or form across to the merchandise and collectibles market. And that, of course, includes trading cards and AFL trading cards. So there's certainly, I'm sure, some synergies there between the ongoing success of the club and, and what is happening and will continue to happen. You can say the yeah, Tigers cards. Tigers cards, but probably to more of an extent to, to Dusty's cards. Do you want to maybe speak to that for a minute if you can? AJ? Yeah, well, yeah, well I think we, we, we talked about this um, prior to the grand final, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. What do we show, 10? It might have been sort of show seven or eight. We we talked about the possibility of – actually, no, it was the week before the grand final um, – that if someone comes out and plays a ripping game, does that elevate their price of their cards? Um, and I think, you know, obviously Dusty won his third Norm Smith. He's won his third grand final. You know, that's probably the the most obvious person to talk about early on. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I, I guess from, from a, a perspective, I've been messaged by a lot of people wanting to buy Dusty cards this week. Um, and there doesn't seem to be so many around. There were a couple of cheapies around a couple of weeks ago. And when I say cheap, I saw a couple of dusty dominances for like 1100-ish on eBay. Yeah. I mean, that's gone now. Um, I think yeah. the cheapest one you can find online is about 1700 bucks. So, you know, I, I sort of joked with a mate, the other day that, or, you know, today even it was that, you know, I think I could go and post one up at almost any price at the moment and it's going to get at least some strong offers, if not purchased, pretty quickly. It seems everyone wants to buy the top-end Dusty cards. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's all Dusty cards. I don't think it's just the top end. You can look, there's a massive surge going on everything. And um, look, it's interesting at the moment that I've sort of been tracking it for the last few days as to what's going on with his cards, whether that's on Facebook but predominantly more on eBay. They're obviously seeing a massive sell-through rate at the moment, but the numbers some of those cards are going for at the moment is quite astronomical. They were already high before the weekend, and that's just taken it to another level. And I and I get that. The guy was already a proven superstar. There's now winning three Norm Smiths, and again, just demonstrating his capability to win the big games and the biggest games. He'll go down as one of the greatest of all time with respect to Richmond and potentially one of the greatest of all time in, in terms of AFL history. Um, he yep. may not be the, the most um, the, the most known amongst media circles, and we obviously don't see him in many interviews or any of that sort of stuff either, but his on-field performance is, is a real demonstration of his brand power as well. Um, he's not just a good player. He, he is a brand in himself, as everyone knows, and as a result of that, that polarizing aspect of him will always make his items collectible, will always have kids wanting to be Dusty Martin and to wear Dusty Martin and to reference Dusty Martin. And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I think there might be a bit of a hysteria right now. I'm sure there probably is to some sort of extent, but I would think long-term his cars just continue to go up and up and up and up and up. Um, yeah, I've done a little bit of uh, card authority test, mate, that, uh, you might not be aware of actually, and the listeners definitely won't be aware of this, or maybe a couple of them have tuned into it. But uh, as uh, for market research purposes for Card Authority, I've thrown up, I've thrown together a bunch of Dustin Martin cards, and I've put them on eBay at a ninety-nine cent um, no reserve. But what I've done specifically is I put one decent card in there, which is the a highlight card, so still nothing extravagant like a twenty-dollar card or whatever. And then I've surrounded it with uh, a bunch of various base cards of his from the last couple of years, as well as a Zebra die card. And the reason I've done it is, no, I'm not trying to just like bank and make profits or something on it. The reality is it's not going to go for that much money. But I want to see the difference between what happens with a listing like that now versus what was the market for those base cards and those common cards beforehand. And I can tell you it's still got three days to go. And I can already see based on the amount of watches, but also the amount of actual bidders on the thing, the individual bidders, and that they don't correlate with normal people that would buy, be buying cards off, off, you know, when I randomly list cards on eBay. The conclusion that I'm coming to is because of Dusty's performance again in the grand final, you all of a sudden have a whole bunch of random Tigers supporters, probably kids, adults, and, and everything in between who all of a sudden are just jumping on eBay trying to find Dusty Martin stuff, whether that's a Dusty poster, a footy card, a jersey, whatever it is, and they're just buying it up. And that's indicative of how people end up becoming card collectors. You know, one of those, you know, there might be, I think there's 10 different bidders or something like that. So there might be 10 people that know nothing about foot, they know nothing about footy cards. They just came on, went on eBay to try find something Dusty. They end up winning a Dusty auction on some Dusty footy cards and then they want to explore more Dusties. So they look at more Dusty cards and they move into Richmond cards and maybe they move on to Cotcher and whatever it is. And then the next thing you know, in two months' time, they're card collectors. This is this is part of how how it happens and how we pick up new participants into the hobby. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be an interesting test case and certainly be interesting to see how that goes in the next couple of days. I certainly noticed um, lots of um, 
lower end insert cards. So, you know, the reds, the hollows, all those sorts of things going for some silly numbers, um, yeah. you know, the day after the grand final. So I think obviously there's a few people there trying to cash in on it, I guess, a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting sample over the next little while to see whether or not those Richmond and Dusty cards hold their value. And, I mean, that actually probably segues into a nice thing that I wanted to talk about tonight was, um, and I'm kidding you on the spot here, we didn't talk about this, but let's talk a little bit about premiership predictors. So, obviously, in the last couple of years, um, you could effectively pick up even the Richmond ones, for example, from 2017 and 2019, you could probably pick them up for about 170 bucks, 200 bucks redeemed um, because there were so many of them. I think there was like 400-ish each year, something like that. Uh, Yeah, 400 of each one, wasn't it? 400 silver, 400 gold. Yeah, maybe 350 each. Or something, but then that prior one, I think it was 17, was it? There was 800 of them, wasn't it? Yeah, I I don't have one near me, so I can't really check. But yeah, yeah, there there were big numbers. But I guess the point is that they were relatively cheap and very accessible. Whereas I'm sure you noticed, like I did, the the 24 hours or the 48 hours after the grand final, people were not only trying to acquire them for a hundred bucks, which was laughable, but on the flip side people were trying to sell them for like $400, $500, which I thought was probably laughable as well. I I doubt any were probably sold at that price. Oh, I think you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that uh, collect cards. They don't necessarily look at the values of them. They just want them and they're not part of the, we'll call it Mm. the more astute uh, Facebook base of people and social media-based collectors. Um, and yeah, so we, so so with um with the predictors, look from from memory and my experience, the the premiership predictors from any given year previously, especially with the high numbering, have sort of gone anywhere in like that eighty to one hundred and fifty sort of range. I feel like the Tigers ones from twenty nineteen were pretty solidly moving around the hundred and twenty hundred and thirty mark at one point. Um, you know, in general terms. These ones, I've seen them actually moving in the 200 to 250 range comfortably over and over and over again. But as you said, I've seen them listed for 400, 450, I think it was the ceiling that I saw on them. Um, yep. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if any have actually sold, but I would presume they possibly have. Um, but also, it's a reflection of a few different things. We're in a different space at the moment. We're talking about cards that have lower numbering, so they're much rarer. Um, there's certainly not as many around. They switched into Series 1 and weren't part of Series 2. So as a result True. of that, you've got, a, you've got a whole bunch of them that will never see the light of day because they were picked up by kids, they were destroyed, they're in drawers somewhere, whatever it may be. Yep. So the rate of re- the redemption, I would think that only probably 50%, 60% of them in total will actually get redeemed. So you oh, can, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. what was it, 175, was it, is it 175 of each of them? Yeah, I don't have my folders accessible. I'm sure yeah. someone will tell us in chat where yeah, how much how many gold there were, how many silver there were. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's 175 of each, so 350 total. Let's say only 50% get redeemed. We're talking about only 175 cards in existence that are part yep. of a, a multi-card signature redemption set. So, and we're talking about it. This is 2020 now. We're going experiencing this massive card boom at the moment. 
So base level and benchmark pricing from the outset was always going to start higher, just like what happened with dominance. It starts higher. You know, it's all going to start higher, and it will also end up finishing at a at a higher. You know, there'll be higher highs, but also higher lows, if that makes sense as well. Yeah, Martin Davis picked up one at a hundred. Oh, they're numbered to one hundred and forty. Yeah. And I know yeah, Martin's okay. probably one of Marty's. Marty, I have to say, Marty's a bit of an outlier, and I'm sure it's due to how much goodwill he has within the community, the legend. But I know that Martin, the day after the grand final, managed to pick up the predictors at uh, very amazing prices, and I can't imagine anyone else would get them at those prices either. Well, always good that they uh, they end up in the hands of collectors and not people trying to flip them. So that's uh, always good. Well done, Marty. Um, and, and look, you know, I guess this. This sort of set, again segues me to a couple of different things. That now that people have seen that the value of these cards, call it the tiger tax, whatever bullshit you want to call it, um, do you think now they become just like the Brownlow predictors in future series? Now people are going to be a lot more conscious about trying to hold the key teams and the key players because instead of them being a hundred dollar card, they might be four hundred dollar cards now. So there's more, I guess, um, more desire or more redeemable upside? Yeah, look, I think, I think speculation's always been there. Normally what I have found a lot of collectors will do, and even like team collectors will actually, in terms of Brownlows, because they're busting so much stock throughout the season, especially Series 1 with Brownlow predictors, they're, um, they're holding the top three, four, five favourites for the year and offloading yep. everything else in the hope that one of those hits. Um, I don't pay, like I, I don't I don't do that. I just I, I tend to move them along pretty early because I have no major interest in them. But I suppose your question is do I think there's gonna be more people speculating both ground low predictors and premiership predictors which are performance based. Their redemption is based on outcomes. Um, yeah, probably slightly more, but I think it's also uh, it'll be reflective that there's more participation in the hobby now and more people in the hobby than what there was previously. It's always been there. There's always the, 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 the chase for Brownlow predictors and the, flu, the seasonal fluctuations, the week-to-week fluctuations has always been there. And I dare say Brownlow predictors and premiership predictors to an extent are more the Brownlow predictors, especially early in the season. They fluctuate more than any other type of AFL card. There's no other cards that have movements like they do, and there's no other cards that can be worth so much and then so little. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like, yeah. you know, look at the beginning of the season, you know, the danger platinums and cripper platinums and stuff like that were moving, you know, three hundred to five hundred dollars a piece. They're now yep. what, hundred dollar hundred dollar cards or something like that? Oh, well, I mean they're they're really worth zero. They're just a, a, a face card, do you know what I mean? I well, think I think I talked to you about it's still a card number to sixty though, like in the context of a team set collector. They still need the card That's and true. only is is sixty. So there's a flip side to that. It's uh, you know, there's the argument predictors are worthless for the person who doesn't, if it's not the winner, they're worthless. But the counter argument is, well, technically, they're still a numbered card for a player or team. And as a result, people need those cards. So their rarity is actually based on their numbering as well. Okay, well, this is, again, a nice accidental segue. Or, you know, from your smirk, you probably know where I'm going to head with this. So... <laughs> 
I pose this scenario to you. Well, it's not even a scenario. This is this happened during the week. As many people will know, Dusty Green was one of my very first unicorns. And really, to be honest, the thing that gave birth to the whole unicorn hunting segment, this was the original heritage. I saw a Dusty Green appear on eBay this week for $1,100. Now, for people that don't... Um, don't know about um, the Greens from Prestige. They're numbered to 60. Dustin Martin was incredibly hard to get. Um, you know, for ages, they were sort of three, four, five hundred dollars and would snap sell if they showed up. Even now, you just cannot put your hands on it. They are a true unicorn, a true unicorn. So, we look at the Dustin Martin green, which is selling for 1100 and I got flooded with messages, as you would have as well. Look at this price. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. But then let's have a look at a Dustin Martin dominance, which is numbered to 60. It's priced, let's call it at $1,500 or $1,700 at the moment. And now, as you segued in, the Dusty Brownlow Platinum that is numbered to 60 what is really the difference between those three cards? They're all Dustin Martin. They're all numbered to 60. Should they be the same price? You're, you're, you're the pricing guru. Tell me. All right. So there's there's a number of different considerations. The, the reality is, let me preface this with, I can't tell you what that card is worth because the card is ultimately, it's worth what people are prepared to pay for it. It's how many people want and need that card and to what extent are they prepared to battle it out financially. Now, if we want to look at the fundamental aspects of how we perceive cards to be valued and where how market prices are set for cards, we need to look at a few things here. The underlying factor is all three of those cards we're talking about now, the Prestige Green, the Platinum Brownlow Predictor and the Dominance card, at the end of the day, Dustin Martin and those cards, each are numbered to 60. So there's no more than 60 that were created or that exist. Okay, so let, let's look at that as the underlying, that the, the underlying thing here is there is still only 60 of each of those individual cards. And now let's start to break down the difference between these things. Well, the, the, the dominance card is a case hit. There's one per case, one per 12 boxes and it's from a set of only 18 cards in total. Whereas the greens, I think, are part of an 11 cards. I think every team has 11 of them. 11, and they yep. are bo yeah, they're box hits. So a green, in broad terms, it's much easier to hit a green card. However, it's not easier to attain a green Dustin Martin card or any particular individual green card collectively you can acquire more greens and that's why people perceive the value to be lower but on an individual basis at the end of the day if there's 80 people that want all three of those dustin martin cards well they're all numbered the same so they should be just as hard to acquire they're all from a series two product or obviously the, the predictor is from prestige which is still a hobby product so the likeliness is that 90 percent plus at one point or another we're in the hands of hobbyists and uh, as, a, as, a as a result of that, um, that the, the, 60, the number of 60 is pretty true with all three of those two cards and their attainability. But technically, if there's 60 dusty, between 
10 collectors and Dustin Martin player collectors, if there's 60 of them, 60 people out there that want the card, well, they could all end up pricing the same. The reason they don't price the same and the factors would be is the perception that one's a box hit and one's a case hit and one's a three, one in three box hit or one in four box hit, whatever those predictors are. But in reality, the physical card itself, for each of them, there's only the same amount of money. Now, with regards to $1,100 and how that card is priced, I have I'm learning over, especially the last few months, to um, tame myself with regards to having a go at other people about prices or belittling people on prices with respect to single cards or with respect to items that are secondary market items based on supply and demand. I'm not talking about someone that's price gouging the shit at 400% out of a packet of top loaders or something like that. I'm talking about cards themselves. Um, so, and the other aspect, as Asher has said, and a couple of other people have said, is the quality of the card itself, the look of the card, the physicality of the card, the print, the material, and everything else associated with it. Absolutely. And, you know, people who've tuned in before often hear me harp on about supremacy and the superior quality of supremacy in terms of the physical card itself compared to everything else. So, yeah, anyway, back to what I was saying. I'm not going to knock the $1,100 list price. All I'm going to say is that if 100% of people that are interested in a Dustin Martin green card all think $1,100 is crazy, the card will never sell. If one person comes along and says, well, I don't care what it costs, I want the card, well, the card sells for $1,100, and then what happens tomorrow? The next one that gets listed gets listed at a starting at $1,100. Um, and then, you know, that, that buyer-seller-supply-demand battle then kicks in, and it's who's going to concede. Is a seller going to concede to downward pressure, or is a buyer going to pay more for upwards pressure? At the moment, the demand on dusty cards is massive. Unless someone else turns up with a bunch of greens to put on eBay at lower prices, we may well be sitting here in two months going, wow, a dusty green sold for somewhere between $700 and $1,100. Yeah, I guess the thing is, though, listening, and obviously I'm a numbers and data guy, and, um, you know, working backwards on what you said a little bit there, the difference between case hits and box hits, in theory, on the maths of a dusty dominance card, you should hit one every nine cases because it's effectively one in nine that you're going to be hitting Richmond, as a, you know, in every case. Yeah. I know it doesn't work out that way, but in theory, that's kind of what the, the raw number is. Yeah. You, we, could, with, you could. We could. You time. could. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. But with the dusty green, for example, let's say there's one a box. Sometimes there's two, but let's just say there's one a box. You know, effectively one every one every twelve. Or sorry, there's twelve greens in a case. But you you've got eighteen teams times eleven players. You know, right. the actual chance to hit a Richmond one is one in eighteen. Then you've got one in eleven of that percentage. Like it's, it seems like you'd there's even less. Stock. You would have to open yes. more sealed stock to find one. Yeah, that's right. You would have to buy more of the production run and open more of the production run. Yeah, spot on. Good but then call. should, but but on but on that logic, and again, it's donkey Richmond logic. You know, does that mean then the green is actually harder to get than the dusty dominance? You could, yeah. Look, I think it's like everything else, like with uh, with voting elections, 
anything to do with numbers. Uh, I've defriended uh, people uh, over this this week, all right? Yeah. We don't we don't need to. Uh, any, anything to do with numbers, um, the way it, a perception can be created around something seeming rarer than something else based on the parameters being presented in front of your eyes. Um, yeah. Without going through the hard mathematics on paper, about the percentages and everything to do with these particular cards based on their print runs and everything else, and I'm not obviously going to do it right now in real time. They're, 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 they're all rare cards. I'm going to say they're all very rare, and there's still only 60 of each. Every other factor involved in the, the situation still doesn't change the bottom line that there's only 60 of each, and whether all 60 of one type came out of one case or they're spread between 500 cases there's still only 60 of them. So once they come out of a sealed packet and they enter the marketplace on the secondary yep. market and they yep. start to move around and change hands, they'll never be at more than 60. They'll only become less because of ones that get lost and damaged and stolen and whatnot. So, yeah, yep. there's still a, that's what I want to remind people. And it's like, oh, I've found it really funny like that. Um, you know, here's a good example. There's cards numbered to 60 that I can attain right now and and pay anywhere between St Kilda cards between $40 and $100 every day of the week, modern cards, right? But then a couple of weeks ago, I managed to get my hands on some 2003 Select Scanlands, which was an official release of where Select licensed and collaborated with Scanlands, and they released some cards. They were numbered to 60, but the difference was you have to purchase them as a set, as a full set. So every card, you got two players from each team and every single card that you got from your set had the same number. Now, because they came in, in sets like that, it's very hard to find any individual players or teams on the market because the people who originally attained them or obtained them or purchased them, whatever, bought them as yep. full sets. Now, I, I got really lucky that someone, in order to get the ones they needed for their personal collection, they purchased a full set of someone and then broke it down but the reality is those cards numbered to 60 cost me a lot more than a modern card numbered to 60 because of the way they were released. However, there's still 60 of those and there's 60 of a, of a Kim Memory High Flyer, for example, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, Steve, um, or Stephen, should I say, you are absolutely wrong here i can assure you if i put up my dusty green right now for six hundred dollars on good vibes it would be sold before i pushed enter so i have to disagree with you there mate um martin davis i will come back to your question it's really good but we're going to talk about that in a second don't jump ahead on our run sheet please mate um all right. Well, look, I mean, that's interesting. And I think it'll certainly be an interesting thing. Oh, already dusty grain sold. Told you. Um, so, look, I think that's definitely an interesting thing. And, and again, as you have banged on many, many times to this community over, you know, the 10 shows we've done, if the demand is there, the market will dictate the, the value of a card. And at the moment, dusty is hot. People, Richmond collectors, dusty collectors all want him. And now there are tons of guys holding him because they know he's one of the greats of the game. So, um, yeah, it's a good one. So, look, yeah, this uh, this segues a little bit to there was a big release this week from Select, um, or a couple of releases. So the first one I wanted to talk about was the Dusty Highlight. 
now there's obviously was huge demand for the dusty highlight in the semi-final i believe it was just as it was for the pendlebury and the ablet and all that kind of stuff what would be your best guess of how many people have bought the grand final dusty highlight a lot i think you're going to have a lot of people that want a card for their own collection non-tigers supporters tiger supporters um I also believe there will be a lot of people speculating on it and looking at it as a good investment or a good trade trade bait for the future, um, uh, a variety of different things. Um, so, so, so could it be, be 500, 600? More. I think more. more. I think more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many, okay. how many, did, the, how many did the other highlight of his have? What was the number? Do you know? uh, I can check that. Hang on. Next to me, there was 401 from the semi-final. So, the so I think Pen- was, I think yeah. Pendlebury was a little bit bigger. I think Pendlebury I'm was thinking, high high 400s. I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna say around 650 to 700. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know, I'll give you an example. So I'm someone that historically, like, I only buy St Kilda ones. The highlights, when I do the highlights, I order multiple of St Kilda. I'll normally order between five and ten and hope to hit a low number, which I never do, which is annoying, yep. but, you know, that is what it is. I'm probably doing myself an injustice. If I ordered one at a time, I'd probably get a decent number. Um, no, anyway, but the dust, you know, this, this Dusty, for example, <laughs> both Dusties and the Pendlebury, Dusty, Pendlebury, and also Dangerfield of the finals, I ordered three of each of those, and I've ordered three of this one as well. And I'm, yep. do, I'm doing it, well, one of them's up on eBay at the moment as part of a lot of cards for the Card Authority uh, market research. And the other ones, I'm not planning to get rid of them anytime soon. I'm planning to sit on them. So this time next year or a little bit earlier next year when someone might have a St Kilda card or something I need and they're a Richmond collector or they're a Collingwood collector, I'll have something suitable at the time. So, so talking about people that are, are, are collecting or, or buying them to, let's use the term flip them, okay? They're not planning to hold them and put them in their PC. Do highlights actually have upside in value? Um, because I would argue that 90% of the highlights that have been printed over the previous years are worth nothing. Would that be a fair assumption? Um, it depends on the print runs at the time. I think you'll find that five years ago, the print runs of highlights were higher than what they are now, like some of the numbers you see really high. Um, and uh, to counter what you've said, my experience is some of them are actually a lot more expensive. And ironically, some of the St Kilda ones were a lot harder to find. There was, you know, the Nick Rewald retiree highlight, the Joey Montagna, I think it is, retiree highlight. And some of the other ones are actually, I found them quite hard to find and they would have sold at $15 from Select at the time and you can't find them for under $40. The other ones are like, bless you. Excuse yeah. me. Thank you. Yeah. The other ones are like the um, the draft cards, which are like the equivalent of a highlight from memory. And I noticed the Sam Walsh one sell for like 100 bucks. I've seen a Max King one sell for like okay. $100. Yeah. So it, yep. it goes both ways. I would say you're right though, like majority of them, don't increase in value, but you know some of the rising star ones and the highlights and the drafts and whatnot. Yeah, and, and look, you know, look, I, I bought them all this year, and I did it initially so I could build. No, no COVID test, Shane. I'm okay. Thank you, though. Thanks for your concern. Um, 
<laughs> you, you don't get COVID with those Tiger time. I'm joking. Um, the, the, I, I bought them all this year, and I'm looking to make a couple of sets for myself. And, you know, I'm sure Bodhi is going to be able to answer this question because I've seen him talk about this previously. But I know that there was one particular highlight this year that there was like 130 of them printed or something like that. So in theory, there is a maximum of 130 complete sets that can actually be put together of this year's highlights. So does that mean the full set of highlights next week with multiple dusty cards in it, Ablett retiree, because Ablett's in it, I think, twice, Dangerfield, you know, do them as a complete set actually have an increased value on the $15 that people have paid for them? Or are they effectively worth face, worth face value in a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. I'm sure Bodie will be able to uh, answer what his opinion is on it. And um, yeah, some of the some of the numbers of the print runs have been really low. I've been fortunate that some of the St Kilda falls into that category. So even on some of them where I may have ordered five of them, the print run is still only just over 100. So at $15 a card, it's actually really good value. Yep, okay. Um, well, I guess then that segues again, and when, you know, we might even call this show Segway because we're doing it beautifully. Um, let's talk about the premiership cards that got released this week from Select. They put up two different sets. There was, I guess, a general collector set, which they call is limited, and I'm guessing that's limited to as many as they can print. And then there is a Platinum series that is numbered to 100. It has um, it has a signature in it which hasn't been released yet. Um, do you think where, – where will those sets sit and be priced in time? The Platinum set, for example, sold out in 30 seconds. Do you know what I mean? Something like that. Um, and as Martin asked earlier, you know, the person that lands the 04 set, would they split that up and sell just the dusty number, jumper number on its own, or would it be worth more as a complete set? You know, what, what are your views on that? And what, what are your views overall about this platinum set, which they've never done before? Yep. So uh, the platinum set, look, selectors often done sets of cards and exactly like what I'm talking about before with the Scanlon's release in 03. And then again, the Scanlon's release in 2009, which was numbered to 400, actually. And there's been yep. plenty of sets, the Hall of Fame sets, and there's a lot of other sets as well that they've done over the years where you have to buy, you can't get the cards individually, you buy a complete set, and every card you get is numbered exactly the same within that set. Um, historically, historical data and historical prices will show that those sets are worth a lot more. And even when you break them down as individual cards, they're worth a lot more because the rarity of them a lot of it's determined on the basis that they come as a full set and as a result, people are not inclined to break them down unless they're purely trying to flip them as broken down sets. Um, so it, it's it's a really interesting one. It was $299, is that right? From memory, yep. $299? Yep. Yeah, $299, yep. number to 100, there you go. So Anthony, a Anthony, my sentiment is exactly what you're saying is why I think that those cards, even though they're numbered to 100, they're much rarer. They're, they're going to be a lot harder for people to acquire on the secondary market, individual cards, than, than other ones, comparable ones numbered to 100 because they come as a full set. Um, 
they re the retail price was 299 the demand outweighed the supply that was in indicative of the fact that it sold out in like 30 seconds again it sold out instantly again i even wanted to try and get one i couldn't get one through um you know that, that that's that's that unfortunately um why did i want one and i'm not a tigers person i don't know i wanted one for a couple of reasons one i thought it'd be really cool a cool thing to have because it's a complete set that would all be numbered the same and two, in the long run, I all, I'm often thinking in all the transactions I do and how I go about my trading cards and everything, I am conscious of the price of cards are going up. The team that I collect is also steadily going up in value based on on-field performance, and we've discussed how all those things interconnect previously. Um, but because the broader market is going up due to participation, upwards price pressure, the cost of cards becomes higher, it therefore means trade bait and trade value becomes really more significant in the, in the future. So for me, for next year, 2021, because there's a new supremacy coming out, what I have in my trade inventory becomes really, really critical and more important than ever before. Because I would much prefer to be trading something that I acquired in 2019 or 2020 for, in, in, for a card in 2021. So rather than paying the face value of the card in 2021, which at the time might be $600 when it comes out of a box, I can trade it for a card that in 2021 that I have is worth $600, but when I acquired it, it was only $200. So I look at this set in a similar way. I think at $299, you, you cannot go wrong. The thing's gonna be worth straight off the bat, in my opinion, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, I think. The day it arrives to someone, there'll be people that put them up on eBay. I think they'll sell at 500, no worries. 500 no, plus, no, no, no worries at all. No worries yeah. at all. Um, to, to, yeah. And to address Martin's question about the situation where if you get the full 04 set, it's a really good one because it's almost like anyone who wants the 04 Dusty would also want the full 04 set as well. So it's almost like if you're going to fork out the coin to pay for the Dusty, well, you're going to fork out the rest because you would kick yourself for not buying all the O4s from the whole the whole set, really. So I, I see it's like if you pick up the O4 set there, yeah, you've got the Dusty, which is huge, but you've got every card that corresponds with the Dusty Jumper number as well. It's it's a monster. It's like, to me, it's almost like the O4 and the O1 sets are probably worth the same just because of the Dusty, yeah? Absolutely. And, and look, I, I think I posed this question maybe to you on the morning after it that, if you pick up the 01, the 04, the 09, and maybe the number 20 for 2020, you know, you, you've, you've hit a premium number for a set that's based all the same number. So I, I don't see any logic in splitting them up. I feel like there's only, you know, four or five cards that have really got premium value on their own anyway. So absolutely, I would be leaning towards keeping them all together. Um, and obviously, look, there's heaps of questions coming through here, guys, but they're all sort of around the same genre. I was going to say, can you also bring up Anthony Gatt's comment when you get a chance? Yeah, Mr. sure. Mr. Yep. Controller? No yeah. worries. Okay, this is, a, this is a really valid point. So there was a bit of a discussion going on on the day they went on sale where people were like, well, what can they be worth? And I think fundamentally, Anthony's got it spot on here. Is you go back to the absolute fundamentals and you say, okay, well, Richmond cards, number to 100 from any other series, what do those cards go for? And the reality is a card number to 100 Tigers from any other series, an absolutely worst case scenario, you're looking, what, 15 to $20? Yeah. 
but otherwise you're looking at upwards of up yeah upwards of thirty or forty dollars. When you break yep. down, I think there's twenty yeah twenty five cards in the set or twenty two cards in the set, and the whole set's only selling for two ninety nine. And that doesn't even account for the fact that one of those cards is going to be a signature number to a hundred. Like yep. two ninety nine is an absolute bargain in the context of what this is. I'm going to reassess and say, like I said, five hundred will go easy. Like. 500 should should really piss in, like, if that gets listed for 500. That's exactly yep. right here. You could be looking at something that will sell for 1,000 bucks. Yeah, and, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself out here and have a little bit of a throw at the stumps. I can assure you it's not going to be a good player that signs it. And I know someone mentioned that it might be the coach or whatever. It's not going to be Dusty. It's not going to be Koch. It's not going to be Jack, I don't think. I suspect it's going to be a Castagna or an Asprey or a Grimes or someone in that sort of... uh, No, I reckon they'll save short for one of the predictors for either gold or silver is my guess. And I think that's that Select aren't going to want to burn a potential high-value signature for their next Supremacy series on effectively a series that they did at $299. They've got to pay people for signatures. I think we're going to talk about this in a future episode. But, you know, yeah, Bolt is an interesting one, Stephen. You just mentioned that. Um, You know, I kind of feel like they're going to be paying someone 25 bucks for a signature so that, you know, they don't have to spend a fortune. Like, I'm guessing if Dusty was signing something, it's probably $150 a signature for him to do it. Um and clearly, AJ is the ghost that's coming. Um, Mate, yeah, so- I, mean, I don't know if you can hear some like sound in the background. It's just sounding like someone was shooting a machine gun out the side there. But it's uh, the neighbours across the laneway uh, have like old school cars lifted up in their driveway at night. And I can hear them using like hydraulic uh, drills and things or whatever. Oh, anyway, that, sorry. That, that's what happens when you live in the main streets of Glenaris. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, get, the ghetto. Um, yeah, so look, I, I'm putting my neck out there. If if it, I'll be happily surprised if it's a nice, you know, a nice signature. Um, yeah, maybe Sydney Stack kebab card. Funny, um, but I, I suspect it's going to be just a, a second or a third tier player, and we're going to see some of the big guns sign stuff for either predictors or supremacy. Um, but look, you know, we can talk about this for ages. But a, a, another quick one. Do you think now that Select has seen how successful these limited print run team sets are, that this will almost be a trend moving forward, that they may start doing these limited run sets numbered more often? Because clearly it's a cash cow for them on a commercial basis. Sure. Look, it would make sense that whilst the market is pretty hot, and it's a hot time and the demand is outstripping the supply in terms of what the print is, then yes, they would continue to do it. But you also don't want to end up in that situation where we were in the 90s of the big bust because the companies just keep producing more and more quantity of cards. Um, The smart move at the moment, I think Panini's proven it really well, is doing lower print runs of more variations. And in terms of AFL, most stuff is numbered and the numbering is what will continue to give a value even as the market goes through ebbs and flows in, in the months and years years ahead. Um, well, Jeffrey, good question. I I kind of feel like they would now, um, 
you know, maybe they don't get sold to as many sort of outright collectors, but I think there's going to be lots of people that are either collecting premiership sets or think that GWS and Gold Coast may become a more of a powerhouse. I don't know. What do you think, James? Yeah, I think I think they would have to do it. I think they would have to face too much music, uh, so to speak, if they uh, neglected it based on the team not being so popular. And I think at the end of the day, in this market, the numbers will probably get there because non-collect, non-team collectors will probably buy them up. Something else has just crossed my mind is, you know, I wonder if any of the breakers have picked up any of those Tigers Platinum sets and do we all of a sudden see a whole Platinum set being put up for a break? depending on what mm. the contents of the package is, you know, but someone has the chance to get a signature, it would obviously be relatively cheap, you know, could you, 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 do, you do a break, could you do a break with uh, based on the amount of cards that are in it? I, I don't know. I feel like that's, again, it's a type of, uh, as we move further into the future and traditional stock becomes harder for people to acquire and so, so much more expensive on the secondary market, I feel like we're going to start to see more and more of this type of stuff in a different format, whether that's a break format or a raffle format or whatever it may be. Yeah, good point, good point. And obviously, you know, we've talked a little bit about this off air about sort of different things like this. So that's, uh, yeah, maybe maybe watch that space or watch this space. Um, okay, well, look, obviously it's been a, an exciting time for the Tigers and, you know, I look forward to the dynasty continuing and, you know, having to pour out a ton of money over the next 10 years as we win another five flags. Um, but, I mean, it's certainly good for collectors. I think it's good for the industry. Um, you know, you always want the bigger clubs, whether it's Hawthorne, Essendon, Collingwood, those guys doing well because it's good for cards and there's more collectors coming in and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I've completely misplaced our run sheet now, but... Um, I can't remember what we're going to talk about next. Jesus, it really is Tiger time. Um, I think we can take a few questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, let's do let's do a couple of mailbags, and then uh, and then we can get to your unicorn hunting, my friend, because I know you're just so flustered because that's all you're looking forward to. Well, you know, you know, everyone's here for unicorn. So obviously we'll let a couple of questions flow through if anyone wants to, to certainly ask anything off the, you know, different topics. Um, but one that I actually saw a little bit earlier from Sam, I'll see if I can find it. Um, and, and it sort of ties in a little bit with what we were talking about with the Dusty. Yeah, here it is. Um, will the price of the Dusty card worth $1,100 now be valued more in 10 years' time? You don't want to buy at the high end as there's no return on investment. So, what, you know, let's take it that it's a Dusty away. What about if it's a Jordan DeGoey showstopper or a, a Pendle's Captain Sig or anything like that? You know, is there are, are those sorts of cards going to be worth 2x, 3x, 5x in 10 years' time? You know, where do you, where do you see the overall growth of, you know, premium cards like that going? Uh, there's a few different factors here, and I suppose the player, the club how they finish their career, where they finish their career. Do they have any, does anything negative happen from the point after their cards hit the market within their, you know, the personal level with them that can bring them into disrepute? Things like that will all contribute to it. I think from a broad perspective, when you look at, from a really broad perspective, over prolonged periods of time, most collectibles, including trading cards that are, 
proven to be finite objects, finite objects in the sense that they are limited in their quantity. And in terms of trading cards, they're serial numbered, so you know how many they, there are. Over time, they should always go up in value um, in, in general terms, um, and at least at the rate of um, CPI inflation, basically. So that, because, the va- the, because the value of money changes over a period of time, so $1,000 in today's money was the equivalent of $100 20 years ago or 25 years ago in that day's money. So so if you had spent $100 25 or 30 years ago on something, you would hope that it would be worth $1,000 at least in today's money, um, which may, it may and may not be the case. It goes both directions, obviously. So it's going to be, the, it's going to be you know, you've got to put your money into the right things. It's also cyclical in terms of, where that player or where that team or that type of item is within its overall lifespan as well. Um, uh, it, it's a, I'll be honest, it's a really hard question to answer. My thoughts would be Dustin Martin stuff, specifically to Dusty. Whatever you get it for now, it's going to be worth a lot more in a decade and more than that in two decades and three decades, unless the bloke goes and like murders someone or something like that and completely ruins his life and his reputation. Uh, you, you know, these cards continue to go up. And it takes a lot for someone to really ruin their reputation long term. Something can be impacted for a period of time, but generally it, it moves beyond that. You know, if there's people like, you know, look at Gary Ablett Sr. and how collected his cards are and look at him. Yep. He's probably yep. a, good good exa- a, good ex- a good example of someone who had, was a superstar, then had did bad shit, had a bad reputation, now is almost viewed as a lunatic, you know, and still his cards go for big money because he's polarizing. So Yeah. 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 I, I can't I kinda of feel like with Dusty and, and we'll keep moving because there's heaps of questions coming through, but with Dusty I think that even if you murdered someone it's probably going to be fine. I mean, yeah. not for the person he murdered, obviously, just joking. That would be like a, a, a blood but, relic card. Yeah, blood <laughs> Hey, I like it. Um, But I think more if he got caught using drugs, say performance-enhancing drugs, something like that could completely ruin his value of his cards because then the mystique and all the achievements that he's done suddenly get washed away on a sporting field. Um, But anyway, I'd feel pretty happy investing in Dusty cards. Um, Jeffrey, this is a quick one. We've obviously talked about this. Do you think Select will do another release this year? I mean, a month ago we talked about this. We both thought that they probably would. I guess they've probably had a huge fill-up now on Richmond highlights and things. I lean probably towards no. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Have you heard anything? Yeah, yeah. My, my sentiment has started to – I was very strong in the opinion some, something was coming. I thought it would be more substantial than the premiership releases and obviously the overload of highlights. But, uh, yeah, I'm starting to think now it's getting too close to the end of the year. They've put out the platinum set. They've put out the generic set. They'll keep pushing their old stock through. I know they've done you know record numbers this year on on um, back catalogue. All their 2016, 2017 series two stuff is all pretty much gone. Then all the oldish, older Future Four stuff gone now. Now even Series One stuff is all disappearing from their warehouse as well. So yep. yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't I, think so. Yeah, it's probably a no-no from both of us. Um, yeah. Martin, good question now. I guess, look, you know, we talked a little bit about grading last week. Uh, I think we're going to do a full show on grading next week. That was what we talked about, wasn't it? So um, we'll probably come back to that, Marty. Um, Grading is a big, complex issue that, you know, both of us have different views on it. Um, We might get heaps of people to send their questions in for next week and we'll deal with that all in one go. 
Oren, good question here from you. I'll read it out because we won't be able to f- see it. Being a new collector that seems to win absolutely everything, I've come into the hobby and the start of Prestige and now I've been around for dominance. What do you recommend for someone such as myself that wins everything? What should I chase now? Well, um, obviously, you know, when you win every single possible card that you ever go into a break and a raz with, Oren, you probably run out of things to win. But all jokes aside, Janks, where, where would you direct collectors that perhaps have only really experienced prestige and dominance? Where should they be looking next for their next kind of searches and chases? So I'm going to say the proof is in the pudding with respect to what people are starting to lock up now in terms of for their collection. So as we had talked about previously and as many people would expect, um, we've had a lot of new new participants come on board and new new collectors and speculators and investors and flippers and everything else over the last sort of six months. You know, Oren is one of those very lucky guys who, as you very. mentioned, he, he just cleans up in every break and every raffle and every Raz random and every packet and every box he buys. But unfortunately, not ev- not not everyone is as blessed as uh, as Oren is in that no. in that sense. But uh, Oren is a great example of someone new who's come into the hobby. He came in to have a, fu- a bit of fun during the COVID period, motivated by his kids co- his kids collecting team coach. Um, he ends up then in some breaks and whatnot. Is enjoying the fun and the entertainment and the gambling side of it to an extent. Then receives yep, a few cards in the mail. Yep. Yeah, that's right. The community, the social aspect, starts chatting with people, then starts receiving some cards in the mail. Is like, wow, this stuff's really nice. Starts to realise what he likes, what he doesn't like. Forms parameters for a collection. All of a sudden, he's gone from a dude wanting to go in breaks just for a bit of fun and entertainment to now he's collecting a whole bunch of different Essendon cards. But he's quite specific. He wants the high quality stuff. That you know, Orange even made comments to me about certain cards' thickness, and that's why he likes it and stuff like that. And I think he is a reflection of the broader marketplace, and that question almost answers itself, and it answers itself based on data right now as well, that the reality is, as the new people have finished uh, finishing off or have now finished off their 2020 sets, there's still desire, and not just new people, old collectors as well, there's still desire to want to continue to participate in trading cards buying, selling, trading, communicating, thrill of the chase, social interaction, being a part of community, sense of community, all that sort of stuff. And as a result of that, where we see the the collectors going, for the most part, is whatever's considered the higher quality product. So people have just had a really nice run of nice signature cards. So they're always going to start backlogging other types of signature cards. Supremacy. You can't look past supremacy. The reality is for someone like Oren, what I would be saying to him is, okay, well, if you're done with dominance, you're done with prestige, you've done all your 2020, the thing you keep saying to me is every time you get a supremacy card is how much better is this? How good is this? How beautiful is this? How incredible is this? Well, yep. the, nat- the natural thing is to go for supremacy. And once again, I, I cannot state this enough times it doesn't matter if supremacy cards have doubled in value in the last three months relative to other cards and numbering on other cards forget about the high quality aspect of supremacy it is still for the most part in general terms massively undervalued compared to the rest of the market and right now continues to be an opportunity 
that will be looked back retrospectively in 10 years, five years time. And people who enter the hobby in the future will be saying in five or 10 years, they'll be going, damn, I wish I was around when supremacy cards were available. I'm telling you now, and I'm happy to be, I want to be held to account on this in the future. These cards will be so rare, all of them, from the base cards through to the booklets and the premiership round double signatures. Half of them are impossible to find now. The rest of them will become impossible too. It doesn't matter what team they are. These cards are still massively undervalued compared to the rest of the market. And my expectation is as people no longer need to acquire more of the dominance cards or prestige or other stuff, and they all of a sudden are seeing cards at 130 point thickness, foil press number to 65, 70, 90, 40, going for half the available for half the price of a dominance card number to 60. Well, I think it's a no brainer, and, and that's what's going to be happening. It's already happening. It's not what's going to be happening, it's already been happening for months. And we'll continue to see that escalate, I'm sure, over the coming days, weeks, and months. And I think we'll continue to see that spike into Christmas as well. And then I think we see a spike across the board with things like draft pick signatures, captain signatures, Hall of Fame signatures, influentials, footies finest, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah, very good call. And look, you know, I guess um, Stephen just mentioned something here. And this is talking a little bit about, I guess, about what we are talking about before, about players going off the rails. Benny Cousins cards, especially in Supremacy, uh, they are super desirable and their price is not going anywhere fast. I mean, another one I can think about off the top of my head is Wayne Carey. Um, you know, the, the Wayne Carey cards, any of the signature cards there are worth megabucks. Modra is an outlier. You look at Adelaide cards for the most part. Not performing well on field, couple that with a limited collector base. Their cards haven't gone up significantly in the last 12 months. Tony Modra cards, still hot, always hot, always in hot demand. Of what course, a surprise. What, what, yeah, what, a, yeah. what a surprise. Yeah, what a surprise. Right. Yeah. Absolutely luck box. Yeah, for, those, uh, for, for those who are tuning in who'd like to play poker and I have a good understanding of poker, you need to understand that Oren has never experienced the negative side of variance. He only yep. wins. He just only wins. It's unbelievable. Must be nice. Jeffrey, um, yeah, interesting one here. And we, we probably haven't talked about this before. Joe Watson's Brownlow cards. You actually don't see many of them. Um, like, like what year did he win the Brownlow? Was it 16, 15? The one that got taken away, the Peptides Brownlow. Yeah, well, and then obviously <laughs> the greatest triple premiership captain there is, Trent Cochin. Um you know, received his Brownlow from it. But, I mean, that's an interesting one. Joe Watson cards you do not see on the market ever. I can't really recall yeah. seeing any at all. So they must be, uh, yeah, definitely locked away. Um, Martin obviously has put a big question up here. On the back of Oren's question, noting tomorrow is National Checklist Day, how important is it for new collectors to have a chase? Instantly when I saw this, I'm like, finally, I'm going to get a payday from all my logo checklists. But no, there's a little bit more seriousness to it, as Martin's put in his next post. For reference, National Checklist Day is a reference to the Boeing during the World War II, uh, the first NOTO checklist, which came down to where fighter pilots were having takeoff issues, resulting in, yeah, that all gets very serious, Marty. But um, yeah, I guess the, the point he's trying to make is how important is it to have a chase 
and I guess I can use that with my logo example. You know, I'm a Richmond collector and a Dusty collector, but I wanted a chase in dominance, so I started collecting logos. You know, having something to chase and having the something to aspire to is what this community is all about. Um, so I can't recommend it enough. Find something that you like and you want to collect. Simple. Yeah, absolutely. And just keep uh, keep adjusting. Once you achieve something, keep the chase alive by adjusting your parameters. So if you're team setting or team master setting and you acquire all the cards you need for your set and you're getting bored, well, maybe start upgrading your numbers. I can speak yep. from experience. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't need to upgrade your numbers because you've got them all. Um, but I didn't, start that, I didn't start that way. It was when I got bored and I was like, well, I've got the sets here, but now I should start going for low numbers, you know. Yeah. Um, um, how much is a Watson Brownlow? That's been answered. Jeffrey's saying about 300 to 450. Oh, yeah, Gat, here's a good question, and we'll probably talk about cricket. How do you believe the new cricket release will go? Stark and Johnson seek cards and limited cases. Um, obviously, I love cricket. I'm It's my second most loved sport on a data and a fan basis. Um, but I don't know a lot about cricket cards. Do you know much about it? So a couple of things. Are, you know, look, I am familiar with cricket. I think probably most people are within Australia. I've never been a massive, massive cricket lover, albeit my, Michael Klinger is my step-cousin and apparently he was very, very good at cricket. Um, he, was handy. he has a yeah, he has a signature card. Um, however, cards are booming at the moment. Look at soccer cards are booming for the first time. UFC starting to kick off really heavily. My understanding is, and and rugby's been massive. NRL cards have been absolutely huge. It's been like the biggest year on record for in, in a long time, from what I've heard. I don't dabble in them, but that's what I'm told. My understanding is, I was told like a month ago already that the new cricket release had sold out at pre-sale. So at a dealer level, it was sold out at wholesale and at pre-sale, which again is indicative of just a booming marketplace for cards. I think sport in general is always strong and it's culturally strong in Australia. You couple that with the fact that all people want to do is get involved in trading cards at the moment because every, every few days a newspaper article comes out or a mainstream media thing comes out. And the next thing is people just want to want to jump jump in. So there you go. Anthony says cricket is sold out. So yep. that, uh, yeah, that that, that uh, confirms what what I'd heard previously, and that indicates then if if it's sold out at a sealed stock level, it means there's going to be massive price upward price pressure on singles and demand, and you should see it start to explode. And I think a big part of that too is that if the breakers start purchasing cricket stock and offering it to a community that already wants to gamble, be entertained, whatever you want to call it, that will be a nice circular motion to get people buying it and single cards are going to be around, then there'll be demand, people will collect, it all snowballs and next thing you know, we've got a cricket boom going on over summer. Yeah. And so cricket has changed manufacturers. I'm pretty sure it's gone from tap and play who, uh, oh, look, I can't really comment on that. Yeah, TLA's now doing it. We, we won't yeah, get stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So TLA, so TLA is doing it now. TLA is the offshoot of Paul Kelly's company, I believe. Someone can correct Craig, me if I'm wrong. Craig Kelly, Paul Kelly. Kelly yeah, sorry, yeah, not, not, not Paul Kelly. Sorry, Craig Kelly, the former football player. Uh, so yep. the ex-footy player Craig Kelly, separate to having a very large-scale athlete management business, actually, I'm pretty sure his company owns TLA as well. So yep. I'm sure that, that that is that, so that's probably given the market a significant amount of confidence in the new product after 
what I believe was some maybe negative experiences. Yeah, we, we, we won't talk about tap and play. People can read the comments yeah. if they want to see it. But it wasn't a great experience. Um, what I've heard about this TLA release for cricket is, though, that they're actually almost doing a little bit of a proof of concept almost this season. They're trying out a couple of things. They're not going crazy with signatures and stuff like that. They want to see how it lands, and then they're going to go really hard again in future years is what I'm hearing. But I'm sure other guys, that, <clears throat> like Gad and those guys, will be able to answer more questions about that. Um, all right, well, look, <clears throat> we just said we wanted to try to get the show to 45 minutes this week, and we're at 63 already. So, I mean, once again, we shit ass with monitoring the clock. But we're having fun. All you guys are having a good time. Yeah, it's, it's my much. fault. It's, it's my fault this week. Um, but let's look, get to let's, the unicorns. Yeah, let's get to the everyone's favourite segment. This is what everyone's been tuning in for. So we talked two weeks ago about a unicorn that we were hunting for, a big Essendon collector called Kai. Kai asked us whether or not we could find him a James Heard Premiership double, Premiership Brownlow double signature, I believe. They're numbered to 25 from Supremacy. These are a big boy card, a big, big boy card. They're not cheap. They do not exist. You can't see them. Anyway, we fucking did it. We did it. We did it again. You did it. Well, I mean, I I don't deliberately put myself in these situations, but... Look, I, I will. I'll stress that all the tra- all the the car the card is in transit at the moment, so Kai doesn't have it in his hand. But the deal has been done. Um, we were in a break, um, a, a well-known breaker here in Australia, and it was a celebration break where they were doing a box of supremacy, um, and the card came out. And I happened to be in the break at the time, and I went. I looked at it. And I went. What? That's a bloody unicorn. And so sure enough, quickly jumped on, had a chat with a guy that won it, and um, he was fantastic. He was um, he was actually driving home from dinner. He was in Western Australia, wasn't really aware of, um, I guess, probably the significance of the card. So obviously I, I consulted with Kai and spoke to this guy. Long story short, we won't go through the details. It was a... It was a significant purchase, and Kai can release the details if he wants. But um, these two guys are both gentlemen. They both wanted to help each other out. The guy that had the card was really happy about, um, obviously, making a little bit of money from it and also going into the hands of a collector. And this was the final piece Kai needed for his Supremacy Essendon set. So um, well done to all parties involved. It was another fantastic get. I'll be honest, when we listed this two weeks ago, I thought this would be a tough one for us to get. Um, but again, thank you to the community out there. You know, the, the fact that people are aware of this and people notified me about this card, you know, five minutes after it popped. So well done to the whole Card Authority family. Well done to Kai. We are so happy for you that you've landed the card. Um you will no doubt send us a picture when it arrives um, and well done to the other party involved as well that helped him out for it. So um, 
keep going, guys. We we love doing this for you. We love getting submissions, and hopefully we can keep tracking cards. Um, obviously, I've been a little bit busy this week, so I've been a bit slack getting the new website up. That should be up this week. Um, finally, my co-host managed to write some content for it, so that's very well appreciated. Um, but we digress. This is what everyone wants to hear. People want to know what this week's unicorn is. So there is a, a, a gentleman, Matty Wardrobe, who, or Wardrobe, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, wardrobe. wardrobe. With, a, with, wardrobe. with a P, but, but we like to call him the human wardrobe. That's fine. Human wardrobe. Well, Matty is obviously a very, very big North Melbourne collector. Um, he will, you know, he's obviously um, collecting a lot of cards and he reached out to me today and said, sell me your 001 North Melbourne logo. I said, no, I'm not getting it, giving it to you. It's away in the logo vault. Well, he said, well, can you find me another unicorn? And I said, all right, all right, what do you want? And he has asked for a Jai Simkin future franchise 01 card in Supremacy. Now, normally we don't like to look for 01 cards in Supremacy because... They're generally in the hands of collectors and, you know, the aim of unicorn hunting is not about ripping cards out of people that have um, big team PCs. But um, Matty is obviously in contact with a lot of the other North Melbourne collectors in the space and he said this card just hasn't appeared. None of the collectors have it. No one knows where it is. So if you know the whereabouts of a Jai Simkin future franchise supremacy card number zero one drop us a line drop maddie a line drop either me or janks a line personally and we will do our best to lasso to rope to capture to grab this unicorn by the horn and drag it to its new rightful owner so Keep your eyes out. We're going to put artwork on the site so everyone can see it. But everyone, please keep your eye out for a Jai Simkin 01 Franchise Future Supremacy card. That is this week's unicorn. That is what everyone's looking for. So make sure if you've got other submissions out there, please make sure you get in touch with us or get in touch with the social guy that does our, our, our stuff. Send him a message. Let him know what you want. Um, and we will certainly do whatever we can to get that card for you. Absolutely. Nicely done, AJ. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for everyone for tuning in and thanks so much for your support. And uh, I'll just remind everyone out there as well, feel free to uh, share Card Authority content, whether it's the episodes or the page link or whatever it is. Uh, share it with all your friends and fellow collectors and other people who might be getting into cards or interested in cards. We're not, uh, we're not huge on our own self-promotion, but we certainly don't. Uh, it doesn't bother us if other people are. Uh, if, if, yeah, that's right. If other people are sharing our content online, it's uh, certainly appreciated. But uh, thanks again so much, everyone, for all the engagement. Thanks for all the good questions. Um, we could. The reality is we could do this for six hours every night and still not run out of content here, but um, we want to savour some more action for next week. So... All those ones we've missed tonight, keep them, keep them ready to go for next week's episode. And uh, I think we're going to get pretty heavily stuck into grading. So if anyone has any stuff in advance that they want to address or to talk about with regards to card grading, send that through to us uh, over the next few days. And, uh, yeah, we'll aim to, aim to get the next one going by this time next week.
Absolutely. And look, just to follow up on Jenk says, you know, make sure you follow us on our channels. We're on iTunes, so give us a subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Give us a follow on Insta. Do all those sorts of things. The more we can grow this community, the more we can find cards for you guys and we can keep delivering hopefully great content, which you guys want. Uh, Stephen, very good. I won't put that up there. Um, but, look, thanks, everyone, for your contribution tonight. AJ, you've been sensational tonight. You've been you've been really special. You've been good. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much. And uh, you, uh, you're just... You're beaming from all that yellow shit stuck all over you and stuck behind you and on your on your forehead right now and on your shirt and there's just some fucking animals jumping out of your shirt at me and stuff and it's just it's tremendous, mate. It's tremendous. You are the man. Well done. <laughs> but thanks everyone for tuning in. <laughs> 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 <laughs>